I think that's something that people need to understand is that not everybody's competing in powerlifting. Hardly anybody's competing in powerlifting. If somebody puts something on their Instagram and they say, this is a world record squat and it's like a half squat, then you can talk shit. But when you see somebody working hard and they're doing what they're, they're you know, it's like, why comment on it? Like, why be like, oh, that's not impressive. But like, I will punch a hole through that guy's chest. Morning out of Sacramento, California. Woo! What you gonna do? Better. Stronger. Son of a bitch. Faster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, this weekend I came into the gym and I was all pumped up yesterday. And I did a squat with a safety squat bar. Uh, a box squat and it was kind of a high box squat so the box squat was probably about as high as this chair is right now so mm -hmm. you know it's a uh, it's a little above parallel with you know and so I posted and you know people go crazy about it they're like all excited like oh hey you're a beast I did like eight reps right so people oh you're a beast and then you get the one comment that the guy's like um well if you squatted down further would that hurt your hips because it'd be way more impressive to see you do 315 all the way down, which I literally just posted last weekend. Like last weekend, I posted me squatting 315 below parallel, you know, like, and I think people don't see these things. And people think that like I do, it's like if you went into the gym and you saw Jay Cutler and he's lying on his back and, he, and he's just kind of doing this with his tricep. This is what I saw when I met Jay Cutler, right? Did I walk into the gym and go, Jay Cutler doesn't know what he's doing? No, I said Jay Cutler's really isolating those triceps. What a great exercise that is. And I want people to realize that like, just because you're squatting onto a box and the exercise is easier, you can use more weight, right? So like, because I'm going higher, I can use 550 or whatever it was, right? Like I can use a lot of weight because I'm not doing the full movement. When we do the full movement and we squat all the way down, there's nothing wrong with that, but that also isn't how the human body works. You're never going to find a football player that gets into a full squat and then, like, you know, does something. Like, I mean, their, their, their stance is almost a squat, but what are they doing before they hit anybody? They're running. So the first step is up. They never hit anybody in a full squat and then come up. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. it just doesn't happen. Right. So there's a lot of these guys out there, like Joel Seedman. He'll say only squat to 90, like don't, he'll, he'll say don't ever go below parallel. Don't even go to parallel because you're gonna get injured. And I, I think that's something that people need to understand is that not everybody's competing in powerlifting. Hardly anybody's competing in powerlifting. If somebody puts something on their Instagram and they say, this is a world record squat and it's like a half squat, then you can talk shit. But when you see somebody working hard and they're doing what they're, they're, you know, it's like, why comment on it? Like, why be like, oh, that's not impressive. But like, I will punch a hole through that guy's chest. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's yeah. not impressive. Like, right. let me show you impressive. Right. You know, it'll be impressive when I take your dick and wrap it around <laughs> your neck. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that'll be impressive. Right? right. But that's, that's what I'm saying is like, people don't, people just look at a post and I'm, I'm guilty of this. Like you look at it and you react, you look at it and you react. I've been finding even myself being um, almost the same way towards people I like. And that's where I think that that's the poison of social media. When you, like, I don't know if you ever get like this. I never get like this with you. You're like a real good friend and a real good person. So I never like look at a Russell, like, and you're not arrogant. 
So I never look at a Russell post and go, oh, Russell again. You know, whatever. I never do that with somebody like you. However, we do know some people that are a little arrogant, are a little whatever, and they'll be like very braggadocious. And then I, I look for the mistakes in their video. But in all reality, like, I don't really care. And they have every right to brag because they're usually awesome people, you know, anyway. Uh, and they're just trying to get themselves over. You know, they're just trying to get a, get a couple likes out of it. You know, mm -hmm. and I, you mm -hmm. have to like realize things. And then it's different when somebody's Instagram's a business. Then you can bomb them all you want. You know what I mean? But people just trying to get by, I think it's different. Like just normal people. And I guess I fall in a weird category of kind of like a little bit of both. You know, I don't really try to be a business. I don't, I don't make any money off of my Instagram or any of the things that I even post on it. I think people would find, people would think I'm ridiculous and stupid, which I am, for not taking any money from a lot of these supplement companies that I've, you know, helped over the years or for like a lot of the food companies that I've helped over the years. Like I must have posted about Primal Kitchen a hundred times when I was doing keto, mm -hmm. you know? And that was all for free. It was all because Mark Sisson was my friend. Mm -hmm. um, Element, my buddy uh, Tyler Cartwright, I still think it's a great product. We make our own hydration product now. I think I have some right over here. Yeah, Mark makes his own hydration. Um, the salted caramel ones are amazing. Yeah, that's my favorite. And so, but it doesn't mean that like I don't support Element anymore, or whatever. But like, I just never took any money from those companies. You know, like I work with uh, Whitmer uh, Rejuvenation Clinic right now, and. Mm -hmm. I haven't taken any money from them, you know? Now, a lot of these places do provide me with like hookups, you know, like, mm -hmm. hey, you can get your TRT for free. Mm -hmm. You can get your steak for free. I'm probably the only person on the planet that has free steroids and steak, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You have to earn that. Yeah. You know, you, you earn that. But the yeah. way that I earn that is by telling thousands and thousands of people about these products that I actually really like mm -hmm. and enjoy. And so I think like, I don't know. I'm not trying to bomb on the guy that left the Instagram comment because I, I, I get what he means. And I've been guilty of kind of jumping to conclusions. Well, that's not a real squat. You know, like even, there's a guy I was actually really surprised because Ed Cohen's like one of my heroes and he's an idol of mine. And I've never heard him say a bad word or say anything about anybody. And I posted a guy squatting 900 and I just said, this is the fastest I've ever seen 900 pounds move. And Ed Cohen was like, that wasn't, that wasn't at depth. It wasn't a full squat. Mm. And I would think that Ed would know that like, well, yeah, the guy's in training. Like when I talk to most power lifters that are great, I'll say, do you go to depth all the time? I'll say, no, I go to depth when like I compete. Like eight weeks out when I start my training blocks, I start hitting depth. Cause it's like when you go in below parallel, that's where injury is more likely to happen. Oh. Right now, some people, now, given there's some people listening to this probably pulling their hair out right now because they're really flexible, they're really mobile, and they can squat below parallel with no problem. Mm -hmm. And to those people that can do that and stay really healthy, when I watch some of the girls squat, like my friend B, mm -hmm. when she squats, it's like it's. I told her yesterday, I'm like, don't take this in the wrong way, but every lift you do is like beautiful. Like it's not like I'm like you're beautiful too, but like the lifts are so pretty. Great form. Like it just looks, yeah, like yeah. it looks like you're a figurine for like a video that like somebody animated. Wow. Because the, the form is so perfect. That's cool. And if she can do that and her knees don't move in or out at all and the back is flat the whole time, great. I think you should do that all the time. 
But if you have problems hitting depth, I think there's no problem with like doing a box squat or like for somebody like you, a box squat is a great tool because like, are you going to go and squat below parallel? Like right. all, yeah, it's right. going to be pretty hard to get down there. You know, what's interesting though, is I used to be able to, I have, I, I'm reliving a memory where I had a strength and conditioning coach at my high school say, you're going too low mm-hmm. this is with my squats. He goes, you're going to, you're going to get a giant ass or something like that. You're going too low. Hey, look, look what he did to you. <laughs> no, but, uh, so like I used to be able to go below 90 when I was 16, 17. So I, I know it's not like my skeletal structure is somehow predisposition not to it's, it's scar tissue and balance and mobility issues that I need to fix. Right. So yeah. big belly. So, um, so I, I do, I usually straddle a long bench and I squat down onto the bench. I don't have it. I have it parallel. So I'm, I'm straddling. Yep. I don't have it going the other way. I gotcha. I, That's how we started. You know, Mark and I used to squat like that in our gym, in our basement. All we had was a bench. And so we, we didn't know how to squat. So we'd pick up the bar and we'd walk back and we'd be straddling a bench. Yeah. And then we'd squat down onto the bench. Um, what I like about a box a little bit better than a bench, and there's nothing wrong with using a bench. Um, I, I like the fact of like trying to like feel my way back, like to the box. Yeah. And so when you're, um, I would just say the only thing that straddling it does is make it a little bit more difficult to like lift it off, like get your feet in close. Cause I, I lift with my feet in close. I lift it off Mm. and then I widen out. Mm -hmm. And that's what like, you know, if you look, if you watch somebody like Ed Cohn, He'll, he'll tell you, like, take a step back and a step back, and you should be set. Mm-hmm. So, like, you when you're straddling something, it's kind of – it's just harder to do that. Like, You know, this week maybe if we can pick a day and you can help me decide on when and how, I'd like to test out that squat max out in the gym if yeah. you're cool with that. Yeah. I saw I, uh, I saw the guy I, – I know I've had problems with my body being too big for the belt before. Mm-hmm. So, like, with the sled – I just basically used two belts. And yeah, we have other straps and stuff that we right, can right. make it so it fits. And the, and the guy that designed it, his name's lost me. It's Brian, is it? Brian Hennessy, yeah. He, uh, I saw him do one where he had two straps like over each shoulder. Yeah. So he's like, hey, if you if you're you know if your hips a problem, you can just wear them on your shoulder and the then squat like, max MD that thing's called. Did you ever a, get the Henny attachment? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you got it. I love it. Yeah, okay. I thanked him. I I made a That's little another, post. Yeah, well, let's put them over a little bit. So Brian Hennessy, he makes the Squat Max MD. It's an awesome machine. We have it here in the gym. And he also makes a, a thing called the Henny, which is kind of just like a TRX strap for a bar. So I guess what I, what I want to say, and that, that Squat Max MD is a great example of something that you can utilize, and it has a seat on it even. So like, even if you can just squat down a little bit and get back up, mm-hmm. that's a great exercise for you. And I would... It would break my heart to go online and watch somebody go, well, it wasn't all the way down. I'm like, yeah, the guy weighs, you know, yeah. 400 plus pounds. It's like he's not going to he's not going to be doing I, a full I, squat. I'll still never forget. And it's just so I don't it, it's something like I have to, like, constantly wipe off my conscience because this thing will pop onto my conscience. And I'll go, why are you lamenting over someone being mean online? Like, this is clearly it's. It's not important, but yet wired. It's just it's hard not to just somehow get a twist on it. But uh, two years ago, when you posted me doing the hex bar with like three sixty or something like that, it was three plates in that big heavy bar. Yeah, and you know a hundred comments like "Way to go, keep getting it, never too late." You know, you know, gonna watch your journey. And then one guy goes, 
well, look how big he is. 315 is nothing for a yeah. guy that big. <laughs> and I was like, well, I wonder. I mean, and the reality is that guy's probably not factually inaccurate. But the the purpose, what's in someone's well, head that they want to spread that into the universe? It, you know it's what funny because I, mean? I was talking to Brandon, who's in our weight loss group. Right. right. And he's cranking. He's Killing losing it. a lot of weight. Strong kid. He's awesome. And he got into like the 1,000-pound club. Yeah. And I was like laughing and we were going on a walk and he's got a good sense of humor. So he got what I said. And I, I didn't mean anything by it, but I said, um, I said, yeah, you wrote like I got in the thousand pound club. My first reaction is a Mark Bell response, which would have been, yeah, I did that in third grade. <laughs> and he just like, he laughed and he goes, yeah, no, he's, he goes, you guys are animals. I go, look, I didn't, I didn't actually mean that. Right. I think it's awesome what you've done and that's actually a great accomplishment uh-huh. but it's like that would have been my response right my in my old wise ass days and right he, i mean he he took it great but like that's how you know mark and i are like mm-hmm. so it's like if i really wanted to be that asshole on instagram i could i could easily be that i have it, there's a there's levels to this game that brandon is stronger than probably 80 85 percent of the world but there's people that are the 95th, 98th, 99th percentile. What I find in these guys that are bigger dudes, like I had Fernando deadlifting, and it, it's just like it's so easy for him. And mm-hmm. he's deadlifting with his cousin, uh, Leo. And Leo was like 300 and something pounds, and Leo lost 100 pounds. And um, it was interesting to watch them deadlift together because, like, Fernando could just move weight, like, boom, because he's, he's a big dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just – I think it's like – he feels comfortable and accomplished when he's doing it. Why and wouldn't it's, you? It's really cool to see right. how like happy he is. Mm-hmm. Now I've not talked to Fernando, but he's got like tattoos everywhere, tattoos on his face, right? And I'm figuring some... like he's like one of the nicest people I know. And um but I know there's some there's something within, you know, there's like a beast within him, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know what it is because I've never talked to him about any right. of that other stuff. Um I just want to get to like know him better, right? But like I know that there's like he can ignite that fire that he needs to get to the weight that he wants to be. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a savage. Like he, he definitely has that killer instinct in him. And so does um, so does Brandon. Brandon's just like got this great attitude where I almost feel like he's doing too much. It's like <laughs> it's like he came on board to this weight loss program and doesn't realize that he's like as heavy as he is, mm-hmm. and he's and he's doing things, and I'm like. I'm like, just like, be careful because you're going so full blast that I don't want you to burn out Right. because he's going so like, you know, he's doing some, some really interesting things and training really hard. And I, I just love to see that, you know, and I, the last thing I want to see with any of these guys is to see anybody get hurt right? or anybody bomb out, you right. know, and Jerome, who's our guy that's like, he's kind of like, I think as far as like our group goes, he probably has like the least ex- experience, right? And um, and I love watching him lift because his squats are amazing. He does go all the way down, like really super deep. And he, but he's just going really light right now. And I said, listen, there is nothing wrong with what you're doing. What you're doing is amazing. And I just want to see that kid keep doing it because if he keeps doing that, the weights will go up and up and up and up. And he's just not focusing on it right now. And like we don't really want him to. So we've had a lot of cool stuff going on here at the gym. The gym's been packed. It's been rocking. Uh, we have a weight loss group with people losing weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody in there is cranking pretty well. We have some girls that come train that came and trained uh, yesterday that are beasts that can that are going to do some damage in the powerlifting world when mm-hmm. we get them mm-hmm. uh, competing again. And we also have this kid, Alex, that I'm really excited about. 
Alex is 20 years old and he can deadlift 755 pounds. It's about 200 pounds more than I ever did. Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy to watch this kid lift. You know, he's 20 years old. He's the most humble, nice kid I've met in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking and I said, you know, you, what you need to do is you need to go home and you need to watch Barry Sanders of football life. Because he told me that he goes, I see people at the meets and they get all pumped and they're like, they're yelling and screaming and they're like cheering when they're done. I go, listen, Mark and I were never like that either. It wasn't in our personality. Mm-hmm. So we would walk out silently with like our head down, get on the bench and just lift. And we'd lift more than most of the other people in the meet. Mm-hmm. We never yelled. We never screamed. We never did anything like that. Kind of like Barry Sanders who would score a touchdown and he would hand the ball to the referee. Mm-hmm. And people thought that was so weird. He high-stepped a little bit on the way in, though, remember? He did one time, he said, that he um, put his hands over his head when he scored a touchdown. Uh-huh. And he didn't like the way it felt. So he just, Really? Yeah, so if you watch that, that... was just the one time I probably saw it then. You watch that football life, and he he just... They, they, they must show him with, like, 30 touchdowns where he just hands the ref the ball. He, was, he went into that his whole career knowing he was just... Plain and simple, more athletically gifted than everybody else. And, and, and he knew that if he worked hard, he would be the best in the game. Yeah, Mark and I used to joke that he's, he must be wearing, like, women's panties. Like, he must have, like, a silk thong. Like, to move like that. To be able to, like, maneuver. Speaking of women's panties, uh, <laughs> I had a realization today. Uh, I walked that four miles yesterday. I had a realization. In women's panties. <laughs> exactly. In sheath underwear? My... My inner thighs were not chafed at all. And I was like, how did you get through that without having, like, rubbed my, you know, like, you know, like, when you're a yeah. fat guy, the thighs. Well. And I, I apparently I didn't. Apparently I, I had good walking form or get, good hip rotation. Let's get real serious here. Uh-huh. Do you wear, like, boxer briefs, boxers, briefs? What's boxer the- briefs. Boxer briefs and and some and some joggers high and tight. <laughs> yeah, so boxer briefs like a um like more like an Under Armour type underwear. Or not like a, not they're pretty like loose a, fitting, but they're they're boxer briefs. Yeah, I, I think they're not those skin tight ones that are almost like spandex. But they're not regular like regular boxers. You'll chip the shit out of yourself. Oh yeah, the not old regular bo- boxers. No, yeah, I gave up on those boxer briefs. Were one of you know switching to boxer briefs was one of the best decisions yeah. I've ever made in my life. I, and I think that's something that people need to know. If you're chafing or yeah, like yeah. you got to buy the boxer briefs. And I used to get the Under Armour boxer briefs. Mm-hmm. I just like their they have good underwear, and it's mm-hmm. like you know. It's kind of expensive, but not really. I mean, you wear underwear every day, and they mm-hmm. they kind of need to be good. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's I'm, I must have like thirty pair of Under Armour underwear. By the way, but you got to get the long ones. You can't buy the three inch. You got to buy the six inch. Otherwise, you can chafe. Okay, something we might want to consider. I every now and then I get comments like, "Hey, how do I get to be part of the Carb Warriors, or do I have to go to the Super Training Gym to be involved with this?" Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Well, these are people that live out of state. Yeah. So I'm wondering, maybe down the road we start a Discord or a Patreon they or something like move. that. Well, I think people want to. No, you're right. You're exactly. I think they right. want to get involved and they want a way to just almost to say like, "Hey, I'm here with you guys." You're exactly right, and I would love to do that. Um, and if it's something that you think we could have fun with, and and you'd like to help with, okay. then we should definitely talk about it because I think a Discord or some sort of, like, thing would be amazing and, like, 
we could have meetings online. We could have whatever, mm -hmm. whatever's cool. I mean, mm -hmm. I am down to host like an hour long meeting once a week. We could do it right from here. Mm -hmm. We could do like a thing where we, you know, it's, hey, it's just for, for the people in the group or I don't know exactly how to do all that stuff. I'll research Patreon versus Discord and kind of bring like the advantages and disadvantages on each one. It just seems like we have a great group of people. Um, Mark and I know what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we have good plans to get people mm -hmm. uh, out of things. And we, it's kind of crazy. We were talking about this the other day. Uh, nuance does not sell. No, it doesn't. And doesn't. Mark and I are a lot about nuance. Mm -hmm. And the only way to get people on nuance is to sell them on you, like on, on us, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so when I talk to people, I try to get them, to, I try to get them in a more of a mindset of like, look, everything that you do is going to need to change at some point. Like, so every, whatever it is, it's an exercise program, a diet or whatever, at some point it needs to like evolve and change. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather teach you how to evolve and change along with what's going on with your body than to like just teach you like, hey, don't eat carbs. That's it. We're done. See you later. Mm -hmm. Now that does work. But as you know, it works for only a certain amount of time and then it stops. Mm -hmm. I haven't eaten a carb so this weekend, I'll, I'll get to my carb story uh, of this weekend, but before this weekend, I hadn't eaten carbs for like, since we started the thing. In, like I went war on carbs, I went really deep. And real deep in January. Yeah, and, and I didn't, well, even after that, like when, when we started this like group. That's when you like hit the full gas was in January, like early January. Well, no, that was, that was the World Carnivore Month. But right. after World Carnivore Month, when we started this group, yeah. I think it was in, um, what is it now? April. I think we started it in the. Was it the beginning of April? That would be like two or three weeks ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long. Yeah, ago. not that long ago. Um, it might have been in um, March, right? So say we started in March. I didn't. I hadn't eaten carbs since then, and I sort of just stuck with everything because everybody else was doing it, and um, I got to a point where I actually wasn't losing weight. I was gaining weight, you know. And right now. Uh, like yesterday before I went on my carb binge, I weighed like 210 pounds and I was 185 even in world carnivore month. Right. So, but my body fat didn't go up and like, that's the difference. It's hard for me to, to like watch the scale and the body fat. And it's like, it hasn't gone up, but like, I still worry about the scale. I'm, I have a phobia of, I don't want to be, where I used to be. Like when I went to rehab, I was like 200 and I think 247 pounds around there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't, I don't ever want to get back up there again. So when I see the scale go back up to 210, even if I'm all muscle, like well, I'm still only like five foot six. Mm -hmm. So that's not great, you know? And so I, you know, I get a little crazy about it. So what I decided to do this weekend was to add in some carbs. And like I say, how we ebb and flow with everything we, you know, and, and so it was a really easy switch. Right. So people go, what do you do? Like you're eating all this fat and then like you can't just go to carbs. Right. And like, yeah, you absolutely can. So mm -hmm. on Saturday when I came home from the gym, I started actually I did it like two days in a row. So Saturday after my training, I came home and I had uh, a cup and a half of rice with a Piedmontese steak, a Piedmontese center cut ribeye, 75 grams of protein and it has like five grams of fat. Mm -hmm. So I ate that and a cup of rice. That's a lot less calories than eating like, you know, two normal steaks or whatever else I would eat. That's like for for 
that amount of calories, that is so satiating. Mm. And then what I found is that like, oh, if I eat that, I'm actually not hungry till like way, way later. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm debating on like whether to add carbs in like full time once a day. But I also find that like once I have that carb meal, I don't feel like eating any more protein. Mm -hmm. And so I got to be like real careful with like how I structure things. Don't like a lot of athletes do like that CKD cyclogenic yeah. keto diet like yeah, exactly. once a week like, they have like a refill day it's or... carb cycling it's been around forever right? <laughs> right, like, right right and um mark and i have been doing this since like the 90s like where we we used to have a diet i can explain my old diet this is amazing so at first my buddy ron fedko who's an absolute genius he literally is a genius he uh won an academy award he's an oscar winner for figuring out how to make like water for like titanic like how the the water ripples in the water and all this stuff with special effects like he's the guy that figured it all out but he's also the maniac that looked me dead in the eye and said i want you to eat red meat and water until further notice and that was when i was in college you know and he at the time he was at ucla and i was at usc and he was getting his uh, phd and he was a power lifter so he basically trained michael hearn and i and he was the one that put me on a red meat and water diet after i did the red meat and water diet for like about six months which is basically called carnivore now, he put me on another diet, which was absolutely amazing. And the way that this diet worked, and this is cool, if like anybody wants to do this, this is a perfectly fine diet. We cycled the diet with the training. So because he was training me also, he knew like on, for example, on um, Saturdays, we would deadlift. Every Saturday we deadlift, right? So that on Friday, we were, so it was like, you'd have carbs like a couple times a week. So you'd go like Monday through Friday. I'm trying to think of like exactly how it was structured. No, I remember we deadlifted on a Thursday, on Friday. And so Thursday, we were allowed to have fruit. So it was like no carbs, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, you, you eat all the same protein, but you eat as much fruit as you need to get fired up for deadlifts, right? Deadlifts were on Friday. We train our faces off. And then, and Friday's a no carb day. You can't have any carbs at all. And then Saturday, uh, you could eat whatever you wanted. It was like a cheat day. Just have whatever you want, but you had to make sure that you got your protein in. And then Sunday was a modified carb day where you could have like, you, you would only able to have like a cup of rice. And then you'd start like with your other protein. And then you'd start over again. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting how it like, for me at the time I was in college, it kept me so excited about training about the diet and like it'll get me excited about oh i get to eat fruit today because i'm gonna deadlift tomorrow you know and when you squat on monday so it all made sense because like monday that modified carb day you're you're not still bloated from your cheat day and you have some carbs in you still but it's not a whole lot and then you completely cut them like monday tuesday wednesday and then thursday you get to have fruit again so it it kept variety in the diet it Mm -hmm. kept um you know, I did, I did really well. You know, mm-hmm. I broke some state records, which are probably obliterated by now. Um, but back then, I had broken some state records by just following that simple diet and continuing my power lifting and not getting any heavier while doing it. I think a really cool thing about these diets is like Matt Vincent said this. My friend Matt Vincent said, um, Mark asked him a question. He's like, what's your goal, you know? Like, what's your goal? Like, where do you want to be next year? And he said, my only goal is I want to be one pound lighter than I was, you know, this year. 
And that guy, what an interesting guy to follow on Instagram. He he looks like he is living his best life oh, right yeah, now. He, and he looks great now. But, he like, think great. about think about that. He said, as we age, and he went and, like, looked up the stats and everything. But, like, as we age, look at how many people gain weight from, like, you know, from mm-hmm. high school to, like, the end of college or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they gained all this weight. Well, what if their only goal was I want to weigh a pound less than I weigh right mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. And so for people that aren't, I should say, like, needing to lose a lot of weight that's just that should be somewhere in your mind of mm-hmm. your of like what's your goal for the year whether your goal is to make a million dollars whatever part of your goal should be like to just try to weigh a pound less than you did last year at mm-hmm. this time because that's health and that's longevity mm-hmm. and that's what longevity is really about is you know and if yeah if you're you know massively out of shape then the goal would be like let me get in better shape first sure. and then get to that one pound a year right thing but for matt at the time like he wasn't ripped or anything, and he wasn't trying. Now he's pretty ripped. Pretty, but pretty he's lean pretty, guy. He's pretty ripped by just doing what we keep saying, consistency. Yeah. Yeah. True. How's your consistency, Ben? Uh, I was a little off last week. I had kind of had the blues. I, I sort of, uh, I, uh, I had, I kind of had a epiphany of sorts yesterday driving to that walk. Um you walked I, with Mark. I walked with Mark. Went. I did like we did like a three and a half mile walk, and then we took another walk around a First city of block. All, that congratulations. That's incredible. Thank you. Because I know how hard it is for you to walk like long distances. We walked to Starbucks here, and that was as far as you'd gone. I mean, do you that. remember when we got back together in September, just walking from the front door to the back door? Well, I got really sad because I asked if you wanted to go for a walk with. And, I can't. Then, and then when you did go for a walk, it was like it was pretty short, and it kind of just like you know I I would like to, I like to see you su- succeed. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like to see anybody in pain and like feet just hurt too bad. I'm like shit because I know what it feels. I like. mean, my lower. So in the last six months to nine months, I have corrected. I had such problems in my back mm-hmm. where I, my lower back and my hips were just so out of alignment that my back would start burning. You know, immediately if I was standing, I'd be doing dishes in the sink, and I'm I'm there for six seven minutes. It's just the back is just a, I, I'd say I'm burning. My back's on fire. That happens to people when they take like Tren. I think it's Tren or maybe Deca. I, I'm busted. Yeah, <laughs> I'm no, busted. Like, like people do. Like people take Deca. I think it's Deca. Take deadli- Deca, and they'll do like um like five or six reps on a deadlift, and they can't lift anymore. They're like their back is so blown up with blood. Oh my god, my back! Like, <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. It's like these. You get these spasms from it, right? Oh, so blown up with blood. That's what it was because during the walk, I started really feeling it in my front right shin, and uh, so yeah. I mean, so just to think, I went from fifty yards being a challenge to well, we did four miles, and I went home and I I was off my feet most of yesterday, but I'm up today. I got a couple little blisters and. A little always here and there, but I'm going to take a small walk today, have a small workout today, time depending. And uh, yeah, big, big deal. But I had, I sort of realized, um, I sort of realized I had surrendered to this whole notion. And I'm not saying that I am wrong in this, but I surrendered to this whole notion that I, I'm more successful when life is manageable. But then when life gets unmanageable, I really start to fall apart. And life got a little unmanageable last week. You know, yeah. kids in trouble in school, wife lamenting about what wives often lament about and stuff like that. And uh, I I just sort of, you know, next thing you know, I don't go grocery shopping. I run out of meat in the house. You know, you, you can only try to 
you know, DoorDash, Safeway meat to your house, but so much. Yeah. And I just sort of fell off for like three or four days. It wasn't a, a massive binge. I think I'm still negative on the scale. What do you eat when you fall off? Like, um, what, like what'd you eat? That, what'd you eat last week? Just be honest. It doesn't. Like I had, I had like here with me, Russell. Yeah, it's just, it's just us and a few hundred friends. Yeah. Uh, I had like Arby's. I had like a roast Arby's sandwich one day. I, I had sandwiches. I was like really. I like. I You're into I, bread. I, I mean, I, I do love me some bread. Yeah. I, I really do love me some bread. I had, I had like Subway sandwich one day. I was and I wasn't like binge eating, like eating all day, eating all bad. I, I was, I was pretty. I think I, you know, but I wasn't, I, it started with like last week or the week before I did a really big back workout and everything was, I, everything was so sore. I, I told my wife, I'm sore in between my knuckles. I'm sore on between my shoulders. I'm sore all the way down my back. And I, I just didn't want to move. I didn't, I wasn't going outside. I wasn't getting any sunshine. Next thing you know, the the fridge is, and this was only like for a few days. It wasn't like I had this existential crisis and I've been on this yeah. giant binger, but uh, you know, we ran out of we ran out of red meat in the house, and I'm just like, Ugh. I and I just sort of cumulatively, and then I started feeling kind of blue. I was like, I might, you know, I, I I wasn't moving. I stopped getting sunshine. My diet started to fall off, and I started feeling like shit. And it all really and it all snowballed. Get, it all snowballed it's into really a big pile. Easy to get negative, and like a lot of times for me. Like what I do, people, it's, it's what gets negative is the weirdest thing. It's like people trying to be nice to me will get me in a really bad mood about myself. Cause like everybody wants to know, like, when's your next documentary coming up? Mm -hmm. Like, do you know how much money it takes to make a documentary? You know how hard it is? You know how many people you need? Like, you know what it really takes to make it? Like, I don't have that right now. I don't mm -hmm. have, and it, it makes me feel bad every time I ask, somebody asks me what I'm doing. Because I'm not really doing anything that I want to be doing for money because mm -hmm. it's a different world out there. And, that, you know, I've been looking at it going like, am I just complaining too much or could I actually sit down and make a movie? And I'm at, I'm at a point right now. I'm like, you know, I could probably make a movie right now, but it's going to be a different movie than what people expect. Like, I honestly feel like if I made a movie now and I'm tempted to do this is like to move forward, like just with an iPhone, just to show up at like. Right. You know, show up for an interview with somebody like famous. Like, yeah, we're shooting on my. <laughs> you know what? And see what happens. Maybe that's the move. But so because, back... it, because it takes away all these other things that have been the barrier. So like people go, what's the barrier making a movie? Like, well, the money. Right. You know, the only money I'd really need would be to like travel somewhere. Yeah. And the other part is like, it's hard to shoot yourself. Right. I need somebody like with me to shoot. But like, I wouldn't need nearly as much money or resources to do something no. It, it, it can okay. get smaller. But let me just sort of button up. So, so what I was saying is, so all in all, like since the recession of 2008, Rebecca and I went through a giant, like we definitely got caught up in the tidal wave of 2007, 2008, 2009. We end up, she's in nursing school. We end up having these two great, wonderful kids find out that, you know, they're on the spectrum and they're a little bit more challenging in some ways. And God, God bless them. They're great kids. Start doing it. I started getting really stressed. I started dealing with a lot of anxiety. And I think somewhere along the way, I sort of, I sort of surrendered to this notion. I really fall off when my life gets unmanageable, and and so that's what I was saying Sunday, driving to the uh, driving to that walk and taking the walk and driving home. I really sort of realized I need to start working on being more resilient. Do you remember where you were weight wise in like two thousand eight? 
um, about three forty. About three forty. I could I could I could stay together to about three ten, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. That I mean I could still I still remember being three ten and, and racing guys. How tall are you? You're pretty tall. Just a pinch under six foot even. A short hey, to stub- me, anybody over five six is tall. Yeah, I, 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 that's fair. Uh, you know, tall torso, short legs. Yeah. So, uh, um, and when so, you were in the army, how much did you weigh then? I, and weigh? I was skinny and kind of weak at one ninety seven. Once I was actually like pretty healthy in the army around two ten. So, uh, two seventy five. I felt pretty good at two seventy five. I could still go jog a few miles at two seventy five, and then eventually. You know, one day around three twenty, three thirty, my brother said, "Hey, let's go for a jog." I hurt my left knee, and then my ankle started to get eviscerated every time I started using the elliptical. So, all that to being said, though, I, I really think it's important just to sort of fight this point through. I, I've, I've just, I've, I've challenged myself to not get shaken so easily. Right. Not, you know, and when people, and, and people go, "Well, God, yeah, don't be a puss." Hey, man, I agree. You know, yeah. I, I'm embarrassed that I get. I get mad, like swamp sweat down my neck and back yeah. when I get stressed out around my kids or around stressful situations in general. Like I used to feel like I wouldn't, I used to feel like I could handle stress a lot better, a lot better. So, you know, it's a journey, right? I, I, I'm 40, 47, still trying to figure shit out, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, still trying to figure shit tough. out. I mean, like for me, um, I, like my biggest issue is like, I think the easiest way for me to be in amazing shape is just to not be so isolated, you know? Like with, for me, for COVID, so going into COVID, I was single. Coming out of COVID, I'm still single, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that's really difficult, you know? Yeah. It's like, would I, yeah, like, yeah, I'd love to be dating somebody that's awesome, but that's the problem is like, I don't meet people that are awesome. I have a pretty high require. There's a pretty high bar if you want to hang out with me, like you have to do, you know, you have to, you don't have to do anything, but you have to be, you have to be on the same level as far as like, you're committed to your health. You know, you want to, uh, like people that like to work out, you know, common interests are stuff. And it's like, and in general, I've always found in my entire life is girls don't like the stuff that I like. I like Metallica and I like lifting weights, you know, and I like eating red meat. And it's like, all the opposite. It's all the things that right. you know telling me maybe I should be playing for the other team. Right. If, if that's what if I don't want to be lonely. <laughs> you know, it's like well, every guy likes that shit, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I think like to me that's the biggest challenge is just like trying to, um, you know, I don't know. I've just been. I've found myself like my biggest problem is being alone and then just eating because I'm alone. Like I'm by myself and there's nothing else to do. I've watched everything on TV. It's like, okay, well, I'll make another steak or I'll make another, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm usually eating all good food. This is what's interesting to me is I'm usually eating all good food. But I found, and probably the reason why my body fat hasn't gone up is I just keep stuffing myself with protein every night. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I don't, I don't want to. I'd rather go to bed hours earlier, but I have trouble sleeping. It's, mm-hmm. All, mm-hmm. it's all a mess. So it's like, yeah, we just have to handle what we can handle. And we have mm-hmm. to, like I said, learn to be or resilient with like what our own issues are. We all have our own, mm. you know, separate issues. And then, you know, as far, like for me, I come to this gym, which is a private gym and everybody that works here is already married or has a girlfriend or like whatever boyfriend. So it's like, 
I don't meet any women at the gym. Mm. I don't meet them. I don't go out. So you're saying we need to find the nearest Planet Fitness and just once a week go get it in at Planet Fitness just for you to get around. Yeah, the... like, well, to me, it's like that wouldn't be somebody I'd be interested in. They're Planet Fitness. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you as a, as, a, as a person that has a Planet Fitness membership, there are some fit, gorgeous women there getting it done at nice. Planet Fitness. I'm just telling you because I think like these traditional barbell gyms are just harder and harder to find. Yeah. And there's one or two Planet Fitnesses in every town, right? 24-hour fitness, fitness sort of always it. dirty. I actually have been thinking this Sorry, is a Sorry, 24-hour fitness. You know topic, it's true, though. This can all run together. Um, I feel like I was going to join another gym just to have something to do at night so I don't – so I go to – like, this gym is too far away. That's what I'm saying. To come to, like, at 7 o'clock at night. I don't feel like getting in my car and driving That's 25 what I'm minutes. But – I'll just drive right down the street, pop in and do like an hour of cardio on a step mill. Right. And perhaps there is beautiful women there. I don't know. I, you know, sometimes. It's, but you there know. isn't any 24-hour fitnesses or planet fitness by where I live. No. I could say I have one just a couple miles down the yeah. street that's 24-hour set. There's 24/7. one by here, but I wouldn't join a planet fitness here. Right. Um, but there is a uh, Get Fit Davis. Just pop in there and see what's going on. Maybe I'll pop in there tonight and do some video. Why not, right? You can just drop in, right? Right. Yeah. But, you know, like that, I think we all have our own issues and, and challenges of, like, why we're not um, doing, you know, what we should be doing. And then you find people that are, like, pretty outstanding, like Mark. You know, I'd say Mark is pretty outstanding. And it's like he's got his, he's got his stuff squared away pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but he's, but he's worked hard at all that and, and, like, earned all that. You know, like, got his family life. He's got his gym life. Like, he wants to be here every day. He doesn't come here because he's got nowhere else to go. He comes here because, like, he's got shit to get done, and he's got stuff to get done all day. And then he goes home, and he's got his family. And a lot of that stuff keeps him occupied. And for me, what's weird is, like, you would I would think, like, okay, well, I have all this time. I have, like, more free time, so I have more time to, like, work on things. But I find that time is unproductive when you have too much of it. Like, I don't know why. But it's, like, to mm-hmm. me... The less time I have, the more mm-hmm. stuff I get done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's like a human nature. Mm-hmm. I well, I I have to surrender to the notion that unless my living room is a place to kick it, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, and and I need to be intentional. Like, if I don't, if I want to do something more than just kicking it, I need to be in a different place than my living room. Yeah, right. I have to be either be in my office working on some editing for something, or here, or you know. Or in the gym, yeah, you know that that's that's more productive places for me. I think what's great about Mark is he just he seems to stay. He's he's very intentional. He doesn't seem to lose his focus. Work done at home. I don't know why it doesn't feel like a workplace Mm -hmm. for me. And it used to. You know, I used to write scripts all the time. I used to sit and write and write and write. And the magic of that got lost in the fact that like I've written scripts that have been read by the top people in Hollywood. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck read my scripts. Like, Peter Berg's read my scripts. Like, you know, top people are like, this is really good. I want to maybe make this. And then things just don't happen, right, mm-hmm. the right way. Mm-hmm. And so after you get shut down a thousand times, you just say, well, what am I going to waste my time sitting around writing something else for? They're going to read it and just tell me it's okay and not make it. Or they'll tell me it's great, and then it won't get made. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was actually thinking today, I had written this um, script called The Legend of Red Demon. And it's insane. It's like a Mexican wrestling superhero movie where all the moves are like 
pro wrestling, but it's like dark, like Batman. Okay. So it's got like this Batman vibe where it's like there's this you know kid who's been picked on his whole life and whatever, but when he's young, he gets saved by the the Red Demon, who's like a lucha libre wrestler. Well, long story short, that guy ends up getting murdered in the ring, and the only one that can sort of take up the mantle is this kid who's been picked on and beat up his whole life, and he's got to like train and become the, the Red Demon and keep the bloodline going. But what you don't know is that the whole thing is actually like a, a giant global like underground war that's going on that's being battled in the ring. So while the kid thinks he's like just becoming a wrestler, it's like the, the wrestling matches represent what like the actual, you know, oh, wow. power struggle in the world. Wow. And so it's, it, it's really interesting and crazy. And like Peter Berg was like, I'm going to make this like, let's like, let's do this. And he, he basically Peter Berg was sitting in his office. He had his glasses on. I got done with the pitch and he This will make at least a billion dollars. And then they went and made Battleship. And that's my life. You know what I mean? That's how things happen to me. So he told me, like, this will make a billion dollars, and then, like, nothing ever happened with it. And that's, like, you know, that's always, that, that's where you get rejected, rejected, rejected. And you're like, I know I probably shouldn't say fuck it, but it's like when you don't see a, an outcome for something, right. it's hard to, you know. Yeah, you gotta I, see a finish line. That know? that's why, if if nothing else, I, and and maybe I'm being naive, man, and maybe I'm being you know well wishing. I really believe somehow this is a vehicle to your creativity. Yeah, you know, and whether this, wow. I don't know if this is ever going to be like the highest form of your creativity, but I I feel like somehow this this can just sort of keep things it. come back around again. Like now that I'm thinking of it, and I'm thinking of the script and like the artwork we did, like the guy who drew the death of Superman comic. Don Bogdanov, mm-hmm. he's the guy that he's the guy that drew the artwork for my my Mexican wrestling movie. It looks sick, right? Like you, I'll show it to you after you'll be like, holy shit! Yeah, that sounds cool. dope. And um, there's no reason that now that like somebody like John Cena's out of wrestling, like hey, so has he retired? You know, kind of, kind but of. But like hey, like why don't we get this made? You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like. There is a reason to maybe go revisit these things. Now that I think of it, you know, I had another script that was really, really great. Like, I just love stories. Uh-huh. I love really good stories. And when Mad Dog died, I was talking to my friend Nick on the phone. I remember, like, I said, hold on, my dad's calling me. Let me call you right back. And Nick and I were writing a show at the time for Comedy Central, which is a whole other story. Uh, we, I didn't we sold, know that. Yeah, we sold a show to Comedy Central, and we were, like, writing it. And... In the middle of writing that, of, of talking to him, I got a phone call from my dad who just basically said, your brother died. Oh. And I was like, what? And he's like, Mad Dog, he's dead. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And then, so then I basically w- was in my house. I fell to my knees and I was in my bathroom. For whatever reason, there's this book on the counter and it's called Blood in the Cage. And it's the furious rise. It's Pat Militich and the furious rise of the UFC. What the book is, and for whatever reason, I was on my knees and I was crying, and I stood up and I saw that book just sitting on my counter, and I'm like, wait a second, this book, this guy's brother, like two of his brothers died and one ended up in prison. I'm like, I need to read it again. I went back and read it, and like the whole story is that Pat Militich, who's one of the greatest. Influences in all of mixed martial arts. He basically like 
don't want to say he invented mixed martial arts, but he kind of invented mixed martial arts. Yeah. Before that, it was all just like this guy's Kenpo karate and this guy's, you know, uh, judo and, you know, this guy does whatever, you know. Right. So they all did, they all had dis- different disciplines. And Pat was the first guy who was like, I'm kind of a wrestler, but I was never really good at that either. Like, I just fight. I just fight. And it was mainly because he would fight people at bars. And so I went back and I read the book and I realized that, like, oh, his older brother died who was his hero. And he somehow got through it. And then you go back through reading the book and you realize older brother died because he went and made millions of dollars in Texas and came back with his tail between his legs because he lost it all in, like, hookers and gambling. So the idol became sort of like Mad Dog. The idol became somebody that you don't really idolize anymore. When he came back, Pat was, like, working on uh, asphalt. Like, it was called Hawkeye. They, they always said that they were going to wrestle for the Iowa Hawkeyes because they were in Iowa. And it ends up that they both end up working for Hawkeye Paving. So, like, you know, it's like this shitty summer job in the middle of Iowa and eat every day. And um, Pat's brother, when he came back with his tail between his legs and, and lost all his money, he said, hey, can you get me a job? And to Pat Militis, that was, like, really depressing. Like, my brother made a, tons of money. He blew it all. Now he's asking me for a job. Well, Literally, like, one of the first nights on the job, the brother is out there on the roads, they're paving, and he gets hit by a semi. And so Pat and his other brother race down to the scene to, like, they heard about it they ra- because they work there, too, you know. So they race down to the scene to see what happens, and Pat actually finds, like, his brother's shoe, and he picks up his brother's shoe, and, like, part of his toe oh. falls out of the shoe, like a bloody toe. Well, like it got severed and like fell. So the, basically, the brother got completely destroyed. They had a closed casket funeral, like whole deal, and it was just like a brutal time. And because of that, his second brother ends up robbing a, like go, kind of going off off the deep end, robbing a liquor store with a gun, and ends up getting sent to prison for fifteen years. And as all that's happening, the other brother ends up committing suicide because of the two other brothers and the shit that they went through and the fact that their dad was an alcoholic and very abusive. And I wrote that as a movie. The movie's called Runt because there is this really great story that I heard on. I always try to take things from other things and put it in something, right? So the whole idea of Runt was like, well, I'm the runt of the family. Like I'm the little guy, you know? And so to me, I really connected with it. And there's a story that was on Hard Knocks. You ever seen Hard Knocks? Yeah. It was Hard Knocks with the Jets. Okay. I think I watched that season. This is one of the most amazing stories. They were talking about a guy who's undersized. Well, he's undersized. You know, I don't know if he can play here. He's, he's too small. He's not going to make it. He's not going to be any good. Corner, right? And what the coach said, he's like, well, you know about, like, Sheepdog, right? And, he, like, he's telling, he's telling the guy in front of the other coaches. He goes, you know what a Sheepdog is, right? And the guy goes, yeah. And he goes, well, sheepdog, uh, when sheepdog have, like, puppies, they'll put all the puppies out, and they'll take the, the runt, and they'll mark it with a big X. And he's like, well, why, why do they do that? And he goes, because if the runt survives, it becomes the toughest son of a bitch in the pack. And it just fired that guy up to get the position that he, he always wanted that he didn't think he could get because he's the runt. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, oh, that's a great title for a movie. That's like a great, you know, thing. To me, that's like the Rocky story. It's like, it's a, 
the modern day Rocky story. And the other thing that's amazing about Runt is that at the same time, there's these guys trying to figure out what if a karate guy fought a boxer? What if a boxer fought a judo guy? Who would win? You know, and it's like the so it's like it's got these two elements to it where one element is these super rich guys discussing like who'd win in a fight and then having this like small town Iowa feel to it. So like it, it goes back and forth from like New York City high rise skyscrapers, there's even a scene where there's people playing polo. These guys were like multi, the guys that came up with the UFC, mm-hmm. they were originally like promoting new kids on the block concerts. And so they were actually at a polo match when one guy's like, well, who would win, a boxer or a wrestler? I'm like, oh, Mike Tyson, he'd kill anybody. I'm like, yeah, but what if the guy knew how to take out his legs? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know about that. Who's going to take out his legs? Like Dan Gable. Like they're, they're putting up all these different mm-hmm. names. What if this guy, you know who was actually originally involved in creating the original UFC? is John Milius, who wrote Conan the Barbarian. No kidding. Or directed Conan the Barbarian. Oh, okay. Conan the Barbarian, oddly enough, you know who wrote that? Who? Take a guess. I, I, I'll never tell you. I'll never know. <laughs> I'll I, never tell I, you. I, I, I have no idea. Oliver Stone. Oh, shit. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah, he was a... I think him and John Milius might have wrote it together. But So here's how crazy the UFC was in the beginning. They are throwing around... They're pitching ideas. Imagine like this pitch meeting. To me, this is fun in a movie. Like, what a great fucking scene. Like, this isn't, this is maybe even now that I'm thinking about it, maybe we take this and we turn it into, like, an HBO series, you know? Mm -hmm. Because it's before even Dana White comes in, but he can come in in season five. But the way that the whole UFC got started was, like, a bunch of guys sitting around the Gracies and this guy Bob uh, Meyerowitz, who had done all the new kids on the block concerts and shit. It's called, like, SKG Promotions. And they got John Milius involved because he was a Hollywood screenwriter. Like, we'll bring in a screenwriter. He'll make it great. John Milius' idea was to have it in a circular uh, cage with a moat around it with alligators in it. Like, for real. <laughs> like, that was the pitch. Because they were like, we pitched some pretty bad ideas. You want to hear some of them? Wow. And, and that was one of them to have, like, where, like, there's no, you know, there's no getting out of this. If you, even if you try to escape the cage... There's going to be alligators in a moat, right? Wow. So it's, like, ridiculous. Yeah. But what I love about it is that even, like, the UFC itself had all these growing pains, right? So you think, oh, they just created the UFC and these guys are rich or whatever. That thing faced so many battles against, mm-hmm. like, John McCain, mm-hmm. against all the different governments. And what's really cool is the reason why that's included in the story is because Pat Militich pretty much wiped up the floor with John McCain on, like, CNN interview where John McCain was calling it like human cockfighting and all this stuff. And um, Pat Militich just kind of like went on and destroyed him mm-hmm. and said, well, you're, doesn't your wife work for Anheuser-Busch and they're big in the boxing? You know, just like, frankly, like, hey, look, I know how this is. You're a politician. Like, let's just be frank. I'm a Republican. You're a Republican. He's like, we can, get, we can agree on that at least. But I also know that your wife is, uh, her family is heavily involved in Anheuser-Busch and they own the biggest... Anheuser-Busch uh, factory in Missouri and uh, your, or Arizona, that's where he was, Arizona. And he's like, I know, I know that, and I know that you have a vested interest in keeping boxing alive, killing this off. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of obliterated um, McCain. And so, it, like, to me, that's really cool. It's like the kid from the, you know, streets of Iowa that grew up broke ends up breaking into the sport and then, like, defending the sport and being a reason why it's still around today. Like he was a big part of that. Him and uh, Ken Shamrock also was on 
an interview on CNN where he like destroyed some of the. Who's the, there's a couple of Shamrock Brothers that was famous. Frank Shamrock. Was Frank the one that did the fighting against Royce Gracie? Ken Shamrock was. Okay, I met Frank Shamrock. Okay, I've met Frank Shamrock before. Yeah, Frank Shamrock. They're, they're both really interesting stories. Not like real brothers either, which is weird. Adopted brothers, right? They're both shredded. Yeah. They both look awesome. Both into know? MMA. Yeah. MMA legends. Yeah, I used to love uh, Ken Shamrock. He was like my favorite guy. Yeah. I don't know why. Just because he was always like jacked and shredded. Like he always looked awesome. Yeah. I, I know that he... The problem with a lot of these guys and like Chuck Liddell and stuff like that is they fight too far past their prime. And that brings me to uh, Tyson Fury. Did you see him this weekend? I just saw the knockout. 90,000 people. That's like more people than were at WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> but like 90,000 people, he, he boxed in front of 90,000 people in uh, Wembley Stadium. And he retired. He retired. And to go back to like Barry Sanders, we were talking about before, I think going out on top is the best thing you can do. And he just wants to do one more like, trophy fight against Nganu, right? And that's it? He wants to do one more against Nganu? It's just like not a, like um, a pro, like almost like he a... He said he'll never come back to boxing. So if he comes back, it will be in a capacity. So I actually think he's going to go to the WWE. Okay. He's, I mean, he's an entertainer through and through. Yes. He would be so awesome in wrestling. He'd be great to be like a manager, though, since he's a little older, right? And a big dude, he probably wouldn't take those big bumps. No, he's, well, he's... Can you imagine Six, him? Can you imagine nine? him bouncing off the mat like, like say, uh, uh, the guys are a lot bigger than you think, though. So guys like Kane and the Undertaker, like they're that tall too. I mean, they're giant. Yeah, they're they're that tall too. But he is, and there's a, there's several guys that are that big in WWE. He's not, not a young man anymore. That floor is thirty five. I, I mean, look him up. All right, Tyson Fury. He can't be that old, right? Well, I mean, I say that's enough to not want to bounce off the ground. I mean, how old would you be? <laughs> 28. <laughs> That's it. Nice and fair. There he is. Type in age. Oh, age 33. He's 33. Okay. Yeah, he's fine. Fine. Okay. Yeah. 6'9", 278. You is know it wrong he... to say he looks older than what he is? Does, does he no, not look he a little had a older? bunch of um, crazy mental health issues, and he ballooned up to, like, over 400 pounds. He had some rough years. And then he got back in shape. Yeah. I think, like, if you could make a documentary about any, like, well, not you. If, if You is in the world. If I knew Tyson Fury, I'd be asking him to make a documentary about him. I think it'd be the sickest sports documentary yeah. ever made. Yeah, definitely. To me, he's, like, the one. He single-handedly brought boxing back. I couldn't wait to see him fight this weekend. I was like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just think he's awesome. I think he's a great, he's actually named after Mike Tyson. Yeah, I heard that. You know? Yeah. And when, it, when, the, when they told him, like, hey, you know, you won today. You beat this guy, whatever. Like, you, you know, you're going to go out on top and blah, blah, And it, And um, he's like, what do you have to say to your opponent? And he's like, I just want to say to my opponent that he's, you know, he's a great, great guy. Did a great job in there. And he's like, what are you going to do? I mean, it's not like he's fighting. It's not, he's fighting a legend. He's like, and he says it with like, no, like, you mean, it's like, he's like, he's fighting a legend. I mean, how many people have been undefeated in this sport? You know, never taken a loss. He's, he's never, cleaned out the division. Yeah, exactly. He's cleaned out the division. Yeah. And he's like, how many people can you say have done that? And like, I mean, you got to hand it to this guy. I mean, he, he just got beat up by a legend. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought that was so awesome, mm -hmm. you know, and just so 
interesting, but that's that's fair. But the fact that look at Tyson, type in Tyson Fury fat. See what happens. That a father comes up. <laughs> click images. Click, click. There we go. Okay, so look at that, man. It's not even like so. Click on that second. Wait. Last back out. Yeah, to the um, the, the third one over, fourth one over, that one. That's yeah. Oh, that's Klitschko on the right. Okay. Yeah, I was like, on. holy shit, he was that lean, right? Because I don't think Tyson Fury is ever really that lean. So okay, there, there you go. He looks, he looks a lot better there. He always has that same build. Look up Tim Sylvia. He's built like Tim Sylvia. Do you know who that is? Yes. It's like um. It's a weird build because they're so big. Yeah, like Tim Sylvia never like he's like another guy like six foot eight. Well, it's not even fat. He's just norm like normally. Well, he had some husky days. Yeah, kind of, but like click that. This one. Yeah. It, it, he just never had a great physique, even when he was like leaner. So when he was yeah. like lighter, he still had that flabby um, belly, and that like that's kind of what I have. Like when I lose a bunch of weight and I get real lean, it's like I can only get to a certain so, leanness. Let me ask you. Too fat to fight. Uh, let me. Okay, so I'm going to bring up something to you that I think about a lot, and was even something I heard featured in the discussion with Kevin Smith and Ethan Supley on oh, on cool. is. They say the skin never comes all the way back. And do you think you just like, so like the more I lose, the more my skin is getting loose and flabby yeah. and, and uh, all that sort of thing. Do you think you just have a byproduct of a once big belly where you just have a little bit of a, I used to have a belly well, flab? If you look in, in my family, um, Mark, was like about 300 pounds, but was interesting because a lot of that was like more in his upper body, not necessarily like in his belly. He didn't carry around, like he's never carried around a lot of um, belly fat. Like visceral fat. Yeah, he's never had that. Like, that, that, And I, yeah. I had that in a big bad way because a lot of it comes from drinking alcohol. I, I mean, so so I'm wondering, and, and I don't want to limit your goals and so forth, but, you know, that's something that, uh, that Kevin Smith and Ethan, Ethan Suffley said is you – you the skin no matter what they tell you if if it gets to the point where it got too big the 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 skin the, that organs made to grow it's not and it yeah. doesn't go into a shrink mode afterwards well, maybe is, you have just some leftover skin on top of your yeah I, what otherwise some, tight frame yeah there's some of that there's some of that going on but not not a ton but what the other thing is that when and i find this myself also i just don't know if there's actually any truth to it when you do fasting and you lose the, all the weight fasting, like that guy that lost like, there, there's people that have lost like hundreds of pounds fasting that have like no extra skin, supposedly. Some guy that worked for NASA I saw on the Dr. Rhonda Patrick said that he lost all his belly because he, he didn't eat for like a year or something Yeah, like and, and so I don't know. I mean, these are, these are like stories that we just hear. <laughs> for a year. And so the Lane Norton in me wants to say, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Like, a, you know. Um, the guy, what's his face? Um, the doctor, the Asian doctor. It's the Jason Fung, Dr. Jason Fung. Yeah. Dr. Jason Fung has a lot of great material, but he's also a, um, what do you want to call it? Like a, an optimist? Exaggerated. He's an optimist. A massive exaggerator to sell <laughs> yeah. books. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, 
he wrote a book called The Cancer Code, and it's like, dude, you can't cure cancer. It's right. Like, like, just get out of here. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. So he says that, and, and he's also, also known as one of the most full of shit keto people out there. But he also has had a lot of great stuff in the keto space, too. He says that he's never had a client lose weight that's ever needed the uh, skin, you know, the skin tightening surgery. Right. He's like, I've never, he's like, I use fasting with all my people and they fast and they, they don't need that. Well, now, I don't know if that's true. And I, I, I will tell you. Because uh, he lies about a lot of other shit. <laughs> and sometimes people only go off of their lived experience and their lived experience isn't necessarily, you know, what the only thing. I just got done listening to a podcast where Kevin Smith and Easton Blake they they spent a good 10, 15, 20 minutes on this exact topic. They the belly doesn't shrink is what they said. It it just doesn't. And and I mean a lot of them resort to that skin tightening surgery. Yeah. And and there's nothing wrong with that if you need it. If 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 you need it or well or want it. If you need it or want it, right? But I uh, have a friend that had it done, uh, maybe we can look her up. It's a girl, and her name is the Iron Giantess. She's about six foot three. She's really pretty, and as far as I've known her, she's always been. She was always like a really big girl. Uh, Iron Giant. She was like a really like she was. She was a big girl, and she lost a ton of weight. And um, this seems to be her. Yeah. 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 But even like even when she was like, heavy, she was really she's like a pretty girl, and now she's doing all this crazy shit like this. Like, but she used to be really heavy. If you look up, and she had to get the the skin. There's a there's a girl that I think you and I and Mark follow on Instagram. Uh, I don't know if you I'll want. That. I I can I can back out of this. That's amazing, by the way. Yes. Play that for a minute. Want to go back to that? That's. We gotta make sure everybody sees that. Oh, now it's different. No, we'll fix it. I think it was on my own thing, wasn't it? No, it was, was on here. On... Yeah, look at this baby. Amazing. That's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. So let me uh, let me show you this one post real quick since we're on this topic. Like squats. Does it say okay. vegan protein on it? Probably. Come on. You're off the team. Didn't know. We're getting there. We're figuring it out. Life is following. Oh, and you can't do it that way? Awesome. What are you trying to do? Find this particular... Uh, there we go. So she just got done having this surgery done. She was... Can't a fit with Jessica? Yeah. She, and Can I, I think, follow her too? Yeah, I think you follow her. Followers? Uh, maybe not. Anyways, you know, almost 100,000 followers. She just got done having... Put the, uh, like one of the pictures here? Yeah, which, well, I'm trying to find a before and after. Like, okay. Like, so here's a before and after, right? Doing great. And then she just got done having this surgery where, yeah. where they tucked her all up. When you go back to the before and after, you see that, um, you can see like her legs, you know, where like, um, it's just unfortunate. Some people happens in the belly, some people happens like there. 
Like, see, here's here's more photos of it. Like, look at her. Look at her. Look look at this girl. Yeah, that's though. crazy. She killed it, man. She absolutely killed it. Yeah, that's great. And and in part of it was, I think she found some sponsor from a doctor. I don't know if that's necessarily true or not. But she ended up getting, ended wow. up getting the surgery to uh, yeah, she... tighten it up. But she's always going to have. So, know, so like she got the surgery to tighten it up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like. And she's um, still in recovery from that surgery, so it's real recent. It's a hard surgery to recover from, too. My friend Jordan, go to um, go to the Fit Boss. See how he's doing. We'll check in on him. My buddy Jordan was huge. He was four hundred and twenty-five pounds or something. Um, and then he got into like power. Oh, look at this guy! He's killing it. Click on him. Follow it. That's my buddy. Click on him. Right here. Yep. It looks really good. Yeah, see his stomach, though? How his stomach he's got? You can see his scar. You can see the cut marks where he got Yeah, his yeah. So he had out. the skin surgery. He's like one of the nicest people I know. I'll tell you, Chris. Golds. I, I hope one day I can have, I can be this. That's that's my goal right there. Top tell, of a mountain. Tell him he's on top of a mountain, all looking all jacked, and maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, I had to get my man boobs uh, lifted. I, it's something I think about. Yeah, he I, looks good, though. I mean, that's the best I've ever seen him look, actually. Click it off of him quick. To the to his regular page, yeah, and then click his um, before and afters. Yeah, is that a before and after him? Right here, right here, huh? Oh yeah, that's him. Yep, he definitely got on the juice. Good job, Jordan. Well, yeah. I can't say definitely, but he looks like he got on some. Sh- I, I hope he did. I He's always been into like is power this lifting, here, or is this someone else? Yeah, oh. that's him. Yeah. Okay, so in the the plastic surgery, so that's a little shout out. So one of my star patients underwent a considerable weight loss transformation of about two hundred pounds through determination energy. So this is what he's done. He removed the extra skin from his chest, removed the extra breast tissue beneath the limb. Yeah, dude, this is uh, what a great hey man. Hey, I only hope that one day some plastic surgeons like hey Russell will uh will do your surgery. Well, like I just said before, you know how do you get sponsored with um steak and steroids like you put in the work like i i ate so much meat i reached out to the company and it helped that i had already made movies and i knew who i was but like i just had a decent instagram following and i said hey i eat meat Mm -hmm. red meat every single day it's part of this carnivore diet i think i could really do a lot to help promote you guys Mm -hmm. so it's like the same thing it's like any like you put in the work and you and you get there you're you'll have the same kind of thing you know you'll have people reach out to you or you just reach out to them, tell mm-hmm. them what you want to do. And it's like, I know that he got that paid for by bodybuilding.com. No shit. Bodybuilding.com saw his wow. transformation. I said, dude, you're, you're awesome. Like, so see, it feel, I feel like everybody I know had, had some sort of sponsor pay for this kind of thing because they have some sort of presence already. Go, go up a little bit. Go to that one on the left. Uh, down, 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 down one more. Look at that. He looks is that really him? Good. I don't know. That's not him, is it? Oh, th- is that? Yeah. Oh, my buddy David, the guy that shot um, a Leaf of Faith shot this. Gosh, That's why it looks good. so good. Yeah, he got jacked. Good for him. My buddy David is like the sickest. Like, look how good the cinematography is on this. That's like my boy that shoots this stuff. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. His name's Mai Tai Productions. You know, uh, I would do, like, honestly, if I could. So my problem with, not problem with him, the issue is that if I could afford to hire that guy to shoot all my stuff, we would be the most amazing team in the world. It's just that he's got to shoot stuff every day to make a living. 
and it would take too much time for us to like put stuff together and get it moving because he lives in Florida now. But I should hit him up because maybe he doesn't live in Florida anymore. But yeah, they, he shot A Leaf of Faith and he was the best and easiest cinematographer I've ever worked with. He just does exactly what you ask him to do. He doesn't try to like interject any ideas. Like he just makes it, takes what you want to do and makes it look awesome. And that's mm -hmm. like the job of a good cinematographer. Most of the people I work with go, ah, that's not going to work. And I, it's like, I don't want to hear it. Just like, you know, go. That's kind of funny. It's the same with editors. Editors are very, very similar where they're like, ah, that's not going to work. And a bad editor can ruin a film, right? Absolutely. And a good editor can, can save them, can make, you know, a movie out of nothing. I, my buddy Kurt Engfer, who was an editor on Bigger, Stronger, Faster, he edited um, Fahrenheit 9-11 and Bowling for Columbine. And he tells the story when he came in on Bowling for Columbine, which won an Academy Award for writing, which Kurt should have actually got part of that. Because when you're an editor, you kind of help write the movie. Um, he said the movie was just a complete mess. It was all over the place. It was like three and a half hours long. Mm -hmm. It didn't really have like much of a you know, like a focus to it. Mm -hmm. It just had a lot of really good ideas. Like a like, collage of scenes. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I know how to turn this into something really good. So he went to town on that. and did. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's ended up making a, a bunch of uh, documentaries since. And one of the best documentaries, if I, before we end here, I'll put over my friend Kurt, made this documentary that I don't agree with the diet at all, but have you heard of Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead? Absolutely. Have you seen it? That's the smoothie guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't agree with the diet at all, really. But Everybody I, tried that diet for at least three days. Yeah, you, oh, you'll try it like as soon as you watch the movie. I mean, I think I tried it. My friend Kurt directed this with um, a guy named Joe Cross, a 2010 documentary. They ended up making like three of them. Yeah, I just, I just don't agree with like that diet being like a really great healthy diet. But like, hey, that's how the guy got there. And he's not like... He didn't gain the weight back. He's not unhealthy now. So it's like, who cares how you get there? That's what I try to spread to everybody. It's like, even if the way that you got there wasn't healthy and you didn't know about it, like, who cares? Like, you got there. So get there, you know, and then figure it out. So it's like, even if you're not on the best plan, but you're on a plan that's helping you reduce calories and you're losing weight on it, then don't really change it until you need to change it. Like, a lot of people come to me where their diet's already working great for them. And then they're like, well, what, sh what should I eat to be carnivore? I'm like, well, why do you want to be carnivore? And it's usually not because their diet stopped working. Mm -hmm. um, they just want to do it or what, you know, so you got to be on the right things for the right reason. And, and I, I just think that that's a great example of like, look, this guy's like, I'm going to lose the weight. I'll figure out how to do it. He just kind of figured it out as he went along and realized like, hey, fruits and vegetables are really healthy. What's a way to, for me to get more of these in? And he was just juicing them, basically. Yeah. And, so and big, it made a great, I mean, what a great presentation. Well, right? what's That great truck driver that he brought down from like 400 plus. I think that's the best part of the movie. The be, Like the 12th step of, step of AA is to go out and help others. Take what you learn and go help others. And that's basically what that movie is. Because I remember watching that movie the first time. And it gets about 45 minutes in. And the guy's completed his weight loss journey. And you know, I'm like, this movie is so stupid. Like, it's already over. Like, like, what is going to be the next 45 minutes? I had no idea what I was in store for. Yeah. And then by the end, I'm, like, crying. I'm, in yeah. like, bawling in yeah. tears. Yeah. Especially when the fat guy runs at the end. I'm going to have to pull that up. Yeah. He I remember takes him... off at the end. He starts running. Yeah. And I was like, okay. The, yeah. 
yeah. it was a different level you yeah know? that that was a what a great film and like great to you know they they actually made a movie this is a great uh type in the kids menu i'm going to give you a couple recommendations that you might want to check out um to help your kids eat better so there's a movie called the kids menu that kurt directed and it is a feature documentary from the team that brought you fat sick and nearly dead as filmmaker joe cross spent time traveling the world to basically talk to kids about what they eat which is kind of cool have you seen that sugar movie okay i've seen a couple sugar movies that used to be on netflix that... the one that's called that sugar movie i don't know if i've seen is that, that one. australian guy that sugar film. film. That's another good one, especially to show kids. And then, have you seen um, what is the uh, pizza that people make? Fathead. Fathead pizza. Have you seen Fathead Kids? No. They've been Fathead Kids. I think it's its own documentary, also. Yeah. Click on the video. Is there a video there? Videos? Oh, it's on Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, so there's probably a trailer right here. So this is basically like, this is really interesting because it's kind of like a keto movie for kids. The, you know, the fathead diet's basically like a, more of like a keto. And this, and That's this, Dr. Davis, we know him. He's been to the and gym. And film, Fathead Tom... Tom Naughton, he's a comedian. Demonstrates that much of the official advice about healthy eating is wrong, so wrong that it's created a record number of kids who are overweight, diabetic, and can't concentrate in school. Fathead Kids explains what we need to know about the diet and so on. Oh, it sounds like a cool... Yeah. And it's like, like, who's a, the target audience? What age group of kids would you say? Is this for my 8-year-old or yeah, my 13-year-old? kids. Or both? Or both. Both. Yeah, I mean, I think the 8-year-old can understand it, right? Like, I think it's... Uh, I would be interested to see if it would hold their attention long enough to watch it. Yeah, sit yeah. them both down and say, see which, see how long they can stay in it without getting distracted. Yeah, It'd be interesting. Time yeah. to give them ice cream if they make it to the whole movie. <laughs> it's like completely the opposite of the movie. Oh, we'll say watermelon. Yeah, but the, I, I don't know. I think like some of these documentaries are great. Um, it's interesting that there is like fathead kids. This other guy, this guy made another movie called Fathead which is kind of like a keto movie. And what I like about it, and here's what I thought after watching Fathead, when I was trying to make a movie about keto, mm -hmm. I think the reason why I never got to the finish line of it is like, I could never, I never believed in it enough. Like, I don't think, I really believed in keto. And then halfway through the movie, after asking all these experts questions, I'm like, I don't think these people know what they're talking about. Like, I don't, I don't think they're right. I think a lot of things they're saying are actually it's mis uh, truths. Like mm -hmm. it's not really like that's not really how the body works. Mm -hmm. And so as you're going deeper, deeper into it, and you're trying to tell evangelize everybody about keto, and then you you're talking to Lane Norton on the side, and you're like, eh, these guys don't really have their facts straight. Because I'm talking to Lane, and Lane's just giving me like what the facts are. He's not trying to be anti keto. He's just trying to give me the facts, and they're not matching up over here. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard that. Credit I give this guy's he just goes for it, makes a movie, mm -hmm. saying like, you know, this guy right here, the calorie myth. Well, there is no calorie myth. Like, this guy tries to say like, calories are a myth. They didn't even used to exist. Why do we count them? It's like, 
Well, it's still a unit of measure, and, you're, and people are still eating too much of them. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's a myth. I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We don't need to track. I think like things. how it, uh, I think it's like on almost like what they say. It's like on a sliding scale, depending on where it is in the glycemic index or something like that. What's that? Uh, the the calorie myth. Isn't that something with, like if well, like not all calories are the same as the whole f- The philosophy. calorie myth, the book itself, is the fact that like this guy's basically saying like calories in, calories out doesn't work. Right, because of like the glycemic index and stuff like but that. But that's right? yeah, but that's not true either. I mean, we've seen it over and over and over, mm-hmm. like a million times. Like, no matter what, if you just stopped eating, you will lose weight and, and that's, until you die. That's the whole Greg Doucette concept. He's like, I'm not prove it. I'm not. I'm not contesting that maybe for some calories they may go further for you than they will somebody else. But the answer is always reduce the calories. Yes. The answer is always reduce the calories, and you will eventually find your break-even point and go below. And I used to be one of the people that say, no, no, you're wrong about that because I eat 6,000 calories of meat a day. And then I start looking at my meat intake and how many calories I'm eating. And I'm eating like 2,400 calories of meat that I think is 6,000 because it Mm -hmm. seems like so much meat. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's it's Piedmontese. Well, no, no, not even before even Piedmontese. Like when I was just doing carnivore on its own. I'd be like, but I ate like eight burgers today. What are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. I'd have to be over my calories, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's still only this many calories. And you go, oh, hmm. You know? You know, and that, and I guess because it's really on my mind, I'm going to circle back to that interview I heard. It's a, I, really a great listen with, with uh, uh, American Glutton. They talked about, uh, I, they were talking about, you know. What's American Glutton? That's the Ethan Souple oh, okay. uh, podcast. That's his podcast that's that called? Yeah, I think so. I, I hope like I that. quoted it right. Yeah. Um, he was saying, you know, he goes, I even know a lot of carn, you know, because Kevin Smith is, is a vegan and, and, and he was saying, I know some people that are carnivores. He goes, if I'm eating seven ribeyes, I am not going to lose weight. I am, you know, I am a, ultimately a, a, a fuel factory. And if I put too much fuel in, if I put seven ribeyes into my belly, I'm, I'm not going to lose weight off of that. I kind of disagree with that, but... So here's what I find on carnivore. If you can do it, I just feel like hardly anybody can do it. If you can do it and you can just eat meat, Mm -hmm. just red meat, Mm -hmm. nothing else enters your body. Mm -hmm. No cheese, no cream. It's red meat and it's water. Mm -hmm. I find that I get fantastic results from it. Because you're not eating seven ribeyes. I I can't eat that much. Well, well, so that was the conversation – and this is maybe maybe why it's resonating to me. These were two guys that were both, you know, uh, Kevin Smith said he was wearing 8XL jerseys yeah. at his heaviest. And he so it was like 550. These are like, these are men that have severe binge oh, eating yeah. issues, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you were ever necessarily like this big, big binge eater. I mean, I think like just lifestyle kind of caught up with you. probably worse, just as bad as anybody else. Like, I mean, like, I've... I've eaten like, you know, this is like actually kind of recent in the past like five years. You know, like the giant family size bag of Skittles? Yeah. Like the giant one. Yeah. I've plowed through that in a day easy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like well, with, with including eating all my other food. You're an elite NFL athlete. Well, I'm just saying, I, I like I've <laughs> I've put away some pretty bad shit. Yeah, I believe As you. far as like, you know, food, I believe you. like calories go like that. I think it's like. I don't know. It's a lot of calories. I, I'm going to calculate it, and I'm going to tell you next time. I'd be curious. How many calories it is. But, like, it's ridiculous how fast the calories crank up. Like, if you were to take a handful of Skittles, 
it's like 200 calories and you can eat an entire pound of strawberries for that yeah right like a skittles it's like a handful yeah and then or a pound of you know strawberries so, right yeah the the difference of these things is so crazy you know? yeah but yeah i mean i probably wasn't i definitely wasn't a binge eater like those guys but also like i've had exercise in my life since I was like 16 years old. Mm -hmm. So no matter how much I ever eat, mm -hmm. I've been a power lifter kind of at the top of the game. You know, when I was doing it, when I was young, mm -hmm. I was a power lifter and I was like, but I was, I, I, it doesn't even matter if I was the top of the game. I was a power lifter, I was very active in it. Mm -hmm. Like I did it, I trained every day. You were an athlete for most of your life. Yes. Yeah. I was always doing stuff. Yeah. So I should have been able to burn it all off. Right. If I had genetics like some of these other guys, I would have burned it all off. But I was obviously eating way too much because I kept getting mm -hmm. fatter and fatter. Mark and I would go to the gym. We'd come home and we'd smash like a half gallon of ice cream together. Right. Yeah. You just split it. Like, yeah. you know, like get your mom get that big Briars thing. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. I remember like, that. Like take a knife and cut it down the middle and give Mark half and I eat the other half. Nice. And we put whipped cream on it and, you know. Do it all we up. We just didn't know any better. Right. Like, well, they say you got to eat a lot. Right. This has protein in it. Right. There was no guidance back then. Zero. There wasn't a fitness magazine you could look at. Like you had to buy it. Like if you wanted, to if you wanted a bodybuilding magazine, you had to go buy it. And we were young, so we were, we couldn't afford anything. We didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. So we got magazines here and there, but for the most part, we didn't have any guidance. There was no internet. It didn't exist. I think if Mark and I grew up in the age of the internet, we would be like completely different people. I mean, I think anybody can say that too. But like. We would have been, we would we would have probably taken a healthy path, healthier path from the very beginning. Oh yeah, probably right. Like with everything we were taught and how we how we grew up and what we got into, I think like once we found powerlifting or bodybuilding, we would have went towards it more. Mm -hmm. And we found it, but we didn't. We went towards it, but all we knew how to do was lift weights. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have any other instruction. Right. And like, how do you learn how to lift weights? I don't even know how we learned how to lift weights. To be honest, I can't even remember how I learned my form or anything because I didn't have any mentors. I had zero mentors. I had zero people showing me how to lift besides my older brother once in a while. But like, to be honest, Mad Dog was at an age where he was out doing his own thing mm -hmm. and he never really showed me much of anything. Mm -hmm. I remember being like 16 years old reading Powerlifting USA and articles by Louis Simmons about doing box squats and all these other weird things that nobody else was doing at the time. So then Mark and I would go to the gym and we'd bring in a box or we'd bring in chains. We we were always looked at as weird, mm -hmm. you know, and I would always use Louis Simmons line. The results will justify the method. Right. Beautiful. You know? Let's, Let's wrap it up on that. Sounds good. Yeah, right. I mean, that's a great line, though, if you think about it. It's the results really... will justify the method. So right. no matter what. Anybody says about what you're doing, it's like, wait till I finish this. Yeah, I'll show you. Yeah. I'll show you. I'll show you. I love it. I'll show you guys. All right, we're out of here. Bye.